Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Falato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host, Nicholas Falato, and if you detect a little pep in my step, that is accurate because the Giants are now 1-3 as they go on the road and defeat the New Orleans Saints 27-21 in overtime. I mean, the Giants trailed 21-10 in the fourth quarter here, and I was thinking to myself, I was down in the dumps. I was sending text messages to friends saying there's no way the Giants can come back, but I was wrong because... The Giants' offense doesn't necessarily inspire hope. They don't necessarily typically create explosive plays. But in this game, Saquon Barkley caught that pass from Daniel Jones for 54 yards. Daniel Jones is getting that two-point conversion with the rush himself. It looked like somewhat of a broken play, but I'll take it. And that brought the score to 21-18. to And then at that point, I was like, okay, so if the defense steps up, which they did, they ended up stepping up. They stepped up on the drive previous when Lorenzo Carter and Aziz Ojolari held Taysom Hill to not allow him to get that first down, which forced the punt, which led to the touchdown. And then they forced another punt. Daniel Jones in this offense, just nickel and dime, this really, really potent and dangerous Saints defense down the field for an 11-play, 59-yard drive that set up the 48-yard field goal attempt to for Graham Gano, which, I mean, he missed like a 35-yarder earlier, which is so not Graham Gano. But hey, drills it. That's great. Go to overtime. Giants are lucky enough to win that toss. A nine-play, 75-yard drive. Little dinks and dunks to Saquon Barkley. Find Kenny Galladay on a nice play. John Ross a few times. Daniel Jones, Jason Garrett, Joe Judge, they get their first victory. It was well-earned. It was a little concerning on defense seeing Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara pick up chunk eight, nine-yard gains at points. It just seemed like the defense was missing this physical nature without Blake Martinez there, but they were able to buckle up when it really, really mattered, come up with a turnover, in James Bradbury's case, force a bunch of punts, and it was like a very conservative game plan for both of these teams, more so for the Saints, but both teams also took shots. They wanted to take shots, and they attempted to take shots, and when the Saints hit on that long touchdown pass to Deontay Harris that was called back, they decided to go back to the well with Taysom Hill at quarterback and have Hill throw it, try to catch the Giants off guard, but James Bradbury did a good job not allowing that to happen, coming away with that interception, and it's good. It's good to see this Giants team come into their own and win a football game and show a lot of resilience. I mean, the Giants, just everybody covering the team right now, the entire fan base, everybody's incredibly low, and rightfully so, because the Giants lost two games they should have won against Washington and against Atlanta, which they both just played each other, and Washington ends up winning that game, of course, NFC East, which stinks, but they should have won both those games. So the the thought on this Giants team is very, very low, and that's very warranted. But they go on a road in a hostile environment and defeat a team that's offense is not great. Jameis Winston is not the leader of a great offense, but whose defense is really, really good. And the Giants' interior offensive line is Matt Skura starting at left guard. They're not a great offensive line on paper, but they were able to hold up and allow Daniel Jones to have pockets so he can step into some throws and find some of these receivers down the field because Daniel Jones was slinging. Daniel Jones threw for over 400 yards. He was 28 of 40 for 402 
yards and two touchdowns, and that interception, hitting John Ross deep, hitting Kenny Galladay deep, Saquon Barkley deep, found Kyle Rudolph for a 20-yard game, Kadarius Toney heavily involved, and every time they get the ball to Kadarius Toney, you think he can make people miss because the guy literally is like a human joystick. I don't even think it's hyperbolic at this point. Six catches for 78 yards in this game. You can see Jason Garrett had that play. We've been talking about it on these podcasts, man. He had the play drawn up where we were going to have Kadarius Toney sling the football, have him throw since he was a high school quarterback, but he didn't do it because it was well covered. And that's a precocious trait with Tony not forcing the football. You love to see that. This is a feel-good win for the Giants, but, you know, it's right back to the drawing board. They're 1-3, and they have to go into Dallas to play the 3-1 and Cowboys next week, week 5. It's a game that is going to be difficult, definitely. The Dallas Cowboys are a very, very talented football team with a lot of offensive weapons. Their defense is coming along. Trevon Diggs looks like a, a true superstar in the making at cornerback for them. But this is a division game. These games are winnable. So if the Giants can get the 2-3 and three after a win next week, we're talking about a totally different night and day type of feel for this team after week 3 and then after week 5. But there's still a lot of work to do to get to that point. But good win on the road. We'll go over this in more detail on the Chris and Joe show. Ed Valentine will also be going over it as well. So let's dive into the rest of the NFL. Get brief synopsis on all of these matchups that happen. But before we do that, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, let's dive right into Washington and Atlanta. And this is just a letdown by the Atlanta Falcons. They were up 13-17, kicking the ball off to Washington, and they allowed DeAndre Carter to return the kick 101 yards. But then they bounced back after that with two consecutive touchdown drives by their offense, but they still end up in the fourth quarter just faltering because they can only get eight offensive plays before that last drive that had five plays, and they allowed the Washington football team to go on a 10-play 70-yard drive and a 7-play 76-yard drive that was capped off by a touchdown to Terry McLaurin, his second, and then the second one was by J.D. McKissick on this ridiculous 30-yard pass from Taylor Heineke. And I swear, man, Taylor Heineke is a is a weird quarterback to watch because he plays such a YOLO ball. On a lot of these touchdown passes that he ends up throwing, I swear it's like he just closes his eyes and just throws the football to an area which he thinks his receiver can make a play on it, and that receiver usually does. Like back in week two against the Giants with Ricky Seals-Jones, that was a ridiculous catch by 
Ricky Seals-Jones. A nice throw, but it was still kind of YOLO. He did the same thing in this game. One to Terry McLaurin, another one to J.D. McKissick. Last week, he did it on a screen pass to Antonio Gibson, who ended up taking it like 74 yards for a touchdown. But hey, it won in the game. 34-30. to The Washington football team are now 2-2 two two in this division. Eagles fell to 1-3. and three. Giants are now 1-3. And, and Dallas is 3-1. and one. So the division is looking a little bit more competitive now than it was just a little bit ago. Let's move on to the Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Chiefs just put the beat down on the Eagles. 42-30. to 30. The Chiefs are now 2-2. Two two, bring themselves back up to 500. Patrick Mahomes had five touchdown passes in this game. Tyreek Hill went nuclear. Had three touchdown passes. 12 targets. Caught 11 of them for 186 yards. If you have him in fantasy football, you more than likely won your matchup unless you were incredibly unlucky and just ended up playing somebody else who had a bunch of other pieces that went off and your team just ended up sucking or something like that. But the Chiefs really just kind of had Andy Reid go back into Philadelphia and just absolutely annihilate this team. But if you're an Eagles fan, you can look at it from the perspective that Jalen Hurts didn't look terrible. 387 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions in this game, used his legs well. But Devonta Smith had 10 targets, caught seven of them for 122 yards. The tight ends also had good games. Dallas Goddard had a touchdown in this affair. Zach Ertz should have had a touchdown, it seemed like, but it was called back on an illegal pick. So I guess that's a penalty. Maybe you shouldn't say should have, but he did catch a touchdown pass. It was just called back because of a penalty, stuff that happens all the time. Sometimes it's called, sometimes it's not. The NFL can get flaky with that. But speaking of on just tight ends in general, I feel like so many tight ends just went off this week. And I mean, I obviously, you know, I host a fantasy football podcast, tight end positions gross. You always talk about if they have an opportunity to fall into the end zone, that's the tight end you really want to go to. That's why Dawson Knox has been like a really big pickup recently because Dawson Knox has been catching touchdown passes on a high potent offense. And he had two more in this game, two more touchdown passes for Dawson Knox. He had CJ Uzama had the big game on Thursday night. Mo Alley-Cox had two touchdowns from Carson Wentz of the Indianapolis Colts. He had Ross Dwelly catch a touchdown from Jimmy Garoppolo for the 49ers. It just seemed like a lot of tight ends, Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz, each had a touchdown for the Cowboys in their 36-28 victory over the Carolina Panthers. It just seemed a little wild that so many tight ends were scoring this week, and it was just something that dawned on me, so I wanted to point it out. Speaking of Dawson Knox, the Buffalo Bills dropped a 40-burger on the Houston Texans, their second shutout of the year, because they shut out the Dolphins in Week 2 in Miami. Josh Allen, 20 of 29 for 248 yards, two touchdowns and an interception, both touchdowns going to Dawson Knox, who was 5 of 37 on eight targets. And Houston just couldn't do anything offensively. This Bills defense is just far too good. Davis Mills was 11 of 21 for 87 yards and four interceptions in this game. The weather was terrible. There was heavy wind, heavy rain. It seemed like Buffalo's offense just couldn't necessarily punch it in against Houston, which led to a bunch of field goals for for Tyler Bass, who ended up kicking four field goals, making all four, and it was just an absolute beatdown. Many people expected it to be a beatdown. It was like a 17 and a half spread on Friday, and it jumped to 18 and a half by Sunday, and obviously the Bills covered it. It seems ridiculous that the Bills, that team, ended up losing to the Steelers, who are just not a great team to watch right now. Pittsburgh ended up losing their game to the Green Bay Packers 27-17, to and it wasn't even that close, to be real. It seemed like the Packers controlled the game the entire time, and the Steelers ended up scoring a touchdown late in the fourth quarter to kind of make the score look a little bit better. This Ben Roethlisberger just can't push the ball vertically right now, and Green Bay's defense is really good. And I would even say, though, one touchdown that he did have, he found Deontay Johnson deep, 
Ben Roethlisberger on the opening drive. He hit Deontay Johnson for about 45 yards. Some of it was running, but that time he did challenge a little bit. But the Steelers' offense under Matt Canada right now is just very one-dimensional. It's a lot of checkdowns. They don't trust Ben Roethlisberger to hit those deep to intermediate type of passes on a consistent type of basis. He can throw one-on-ones and hope his receivers make a catch because he has really talented receivers, albeit Chase Claypool was not in this game. But the Steelers, man, they sit at 1-3, and three and, and they do not look great right now. They are... They are a team that is has a good defense, who scored a defensive touchdown in this game against Green Bay, but it's it's a bleak situation for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have a lot of talent, but their quarterback is just a little bit over the hill, and a good win for the Green Bay Packers, a team at home who should win this type of matchup. I mean, Aaron Rodgers had 248 yards, two touchdowns, was able to establish the run with both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Randall Cobb caught two touchdown passes. What year is this? I'm not sure, but good win for the Green Bay Packers. And then we have the Detroit Lions losing to the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields getting his first win. Didn't look all that great on the field, but didn't necessarily have to because David Montgomery, who left this game with an injury, had 23 carries for 106 yards and two touchdowns. And it was looking like Fields was targeting Darnell Mooney a lot, who had seven targets, five catches for 125 yards, a promising second-year receiver who's talented. Allen Robinson had three for 63. He's not living up to his fantasy draft stock right now if we're delving into that. But Justin Fields, I mean, it's a much better outing than what happened last game against the Cleveland Browns. But the Cleveland Browns have one of the best defenses. We'll get into that in a little bit. They held the Minnesota Vikings offense, which is one of the better offenses in the league, to only seven points at home, which is really, really impressive. But to get back to this Detroit Lions game, they dropped to 0-4. And it's just them in Jacksonville who are at 0-4 with the Giants and the Jets picking up wins in this Week 4 slate of games. And, I mean... If you look at the Detroit Lions, they attempted to establish the run with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift a little bit, but they were just inefficient. The Bears' defense was really clamping down on them. And Detroit, they didn't score until the second half. They were able to put two touchdowns on the board, but by that point, it was just a little bit too late. And Chicago just controlled the football, and they didn't even have David Montgomery, but they were using Damian Williams, who ended up having a rushing touchdown and looking really good rushing the football as well. I mean, Matt Nagy needs all the wins he can get. The Giants do not need the Bears to win, so I'm rooting for them to lose every game because the Giants obviously have the Bears' first-round pick, but unfortunately, they were able to find this victory. Moving on to the Panthers, unfortunately losing to the Dallas Cowboys in this game. The Cowboys 36, the Panthers 28. Sam Darnold had not one, but two rushing touchdowns in this game. It's getting absolutely ridiculous. Sam Darnold leads the league in rushing touchdowns right now, robbing Chuba Hubbard, who looked okay in the stead of... Christian McCaffrey, Chuba Hubbard had 13 carries for 57 yards. Sam Darnold, two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, two interceptions, went north of 300 yards. But the Dallas Cowboys offense is just a bit too much to handle. And their defense is coming away with turnovers because they were able to force Sam Darnold into two mistakes. Trevon Diggs had both of the interceptions in this game, and he's playing amazingly, like I said, taking that next step. Carolina had the ball more than Dallas, but Dallas still outgained them by a significant margin because Dallas has that ability to just create explosive plays through the air and on the ground. And Dak Prescott, he only had 188 yards passing in this game, but he threw four touchdowns. He was 14 of 22. That's really, really efficient. And then they just established the run with Tony Pollard, 10 for 67, and Ezekiel Elliott, 20 for 143 and a touchdown. They were just able to control the clock, control the game, 
and they didn't even need to use CeeDee Lamb, who only had two catches for 13 yards. And Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson, Dalton Schultz, Blake Jarwin all caught the four touchdown passes from Dak Prescott. I mean, this was a game where it was like, okay, Carolina, you got to play the Jags, you got to play the Jets, you got to play all these teams, the Saints, when they didn't have any any offensive coaches. You have to play all these teams. Let's see you go on the road and try to play a good football team in the Dallas Cowboys, and they weren't able to do that. Game wasn't a blowout or anything, but Dallas really kind of pulled away in the third quarter after those halftime adjustments. But DJ Moore had a really good game, eight catches for 113 yards and two touchdowns. Moving on, though, to the Colts and the Miami Dolphins. The Indianapolis Colts go down to Miami and win this football game 27-17. to Jacoby Brissett cannot get that revenge game win against the Indianapolis Colts as he's starting for the injured Tua Tungabayaloa. Jacoby Brissett finished 20 of 30 for 199 yards, two touchdowns, was sacked three times. Carson Wentz threw two touchdown passes in this game, both to Moali Cox. He finished 24 of 32 for 228 yards, targeting Michael Pittman Jr., Frequently, eight targets, caught six for 59, but no touchdown. And then Jonathan Taylor finally woke up this year. They gave him 16 carries. He rushed for 103 yards and a touchdown. Marlon Mack also played in this game. He's subject to rumors at the moment. A lot of people think he might be traded because he wants a trade, but he ended up playing in this game, which isn't something you always see. Maybe not a lot of people are trying to trade for a for a running back who's on the last year of his deal, who's coming off of an Achilles injury. Looked inefficient in this game, but still, the Indianapolis Colts get this win. Defensively, they were able to force several turnovers from the Miami Dolphins. Brissett found Mike Isicki and Devontae Parker, two gigantic targets. It's just everybody in this game who caught a touchdown pass is gigantic because Moali Cox is one of the biggest people in the NFL, it seems like. And then Mike Isicki and Devontae Parker are both very large human beings, so credit for, to them. I would say a loser in this game is definitely Miles Gaskin, who was the presumed starting running back for the Miami Dolphins. He only received two carries in this game, and he wasn't targeted at all. Malcolm Brown came in and kind of stole the show, and to the best of my knowledge, I don't believe he was injured. I could be wrong there, but I don't believe he was injured, so that's not a great look for Miles Gaskin going forward. For all you fantasy football players who are listening to this, please take note and keep that in mind if it doesn't come out that he was injured at all. Moving on to the Cleveland Browns taking on the Minnesota Vikings and defeating them at home 14-7. That's a just a powerful rushing attack. Kareem Hunt 14-69 for a touchdown. Nick Chubb 21 carries for 100 yards. And they just kept Minnesota on the sidelines. And that defense can get after Kirk Cousins. They only had two sacks, but watching the game, you could tell Kirk Cousins was really, really frustrated. Dalvin Cook seemed a little dinged up in this game. He came out for a large portion of the second half, ended up coming back in for the last drive of the game or the last two drives of the game, but it was Alexander Madison who had 10 carries for 20 yards, didn't do all that much. Dalvin Cook only had nine carries for 34 yards. The only offense that Kirk Cousins could muster was a drive early in the game where he found Justin Jefferson twice for a touchdown. One was called back, but then they ended up getting another touchdown. Justin Jefferson catching that six receptions on seven targets for 84 yards and that touchdown Cleveland they got a good secondary their linebackers are fast they're physical and they have Miles Garrett one of the best pass rushers in the NFL along with a lot of other good defensive linemen Jadivian Clowney is there they got Malik McDowell who is a second round pick by Seattle who ended up getting in like an ATV accident and flamed out of the league and now he comes and he's with Cleveland and he's playing his role really well they also have Malik Jackson a veteran who's been around the league so it's just that team has it's really come together on the defensive side of the football. They don't even need Baker Mayfield to do all that much. He only had 15 completions for 33 
Temps, 155 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, took a couple sacks. It didn't matter all that much because the Cleveland Browns just controlled the clock. They had 35 minutes of possession to 24 for Minnesota. They outgained Minnesota 327 to 255, and they were efficient when they had to be. So this is just a a team right now that is one of the better football teams in the National Football League in the Cleveland Browns, coached by Kevin Stefanski, who used to be the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings, but is now the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. And he has this team rolling. He, he has an identity. It's a true identity. The Browns always live up to that identity. They're going to run the football. They're going to take the air out of the ball, and they're going to allow their defense to rest. And their defense is very, very talented and has developed very well over the last several years. So a 14-7 to victory, it's not necessarily a fantasy powerhouse type of win, but it's definitely one that counts. And now they have to travel to Los Angeles to play the Chargers, and the game script can get away from you there. You may not be able to just take the air out of the ball. You may have to rely on Baker Mayfield, so that should be a good game to watch to see exactly what happens and if the Chargers can slow down with Brennan Staley, one of the best defensive minds in the NFL, if they could slow down this really, really efficient and and just powerful rushing attack led by Nick Chubb and then Kareem Hunt, who's also just an absolute stud. Then there's this game, man. This game was was something because the Arizona Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury go into Los Angeles, a team that just dismantled the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Super Bowl champions from last year. And the Cardinals defeat the Rams 37-20. Kyler Murray, 268 yards, two touchdowns. Cliff Kingsbury, this is his first time defeating Sean McVay. And a lot of people look at the NFC West and think, yeah, the Cardinals are exciting. You know, they're an offensive powerhouse. But Cliff Kingsbury, he's not Pete Carroll. He's not Kyle Shanahan. He's not Sean McVay. He's the distant fourth coach. And yes, he is. Just by watching Cardinal games, you can kind of see it. But when you go into the Rams building and you get a victory in this manner where it's not even competitive... You deserve some credit. You deserve a lot of credit. And he's been taking a lot of criticism, and I hear it a lot out here in Arizona. But this is a big win for Cliff Kingsbury, for this Arizona Cardinals team. And Kyler Murray, who's you know one of the odds-on favorite to win the MVP, is now 4-0 in a division that's really, really competitive. I mean, you had... I mean, the Seattle Seahawks could have dropped to 1-3, but they were able to squeak past the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, this is one of the most exciting divisions in the National Football League. And in this game, it was A.J. Green was 5 of 67 for a touchdown. Max Williams, the tight end, 5 of 66 for a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins was 4 of 67. And the Cardinals just kind of took it to this Rams defense. Rams defense, obviously you have Aaron Donald. Obviously you have Jalen Ramsey. And the Rams also, you know, they have Matt Stafford, who finished the game 26 of 41 for 280 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. They found Van Jefferson for a touchdown. Robert Woods ended up having a garbage touchdown to kind of salvage his fantasy points. His season has not gone as planned with Cooper Cup, who's dominating, but didn't have two touchdowns. I don't know if he if he didn't, you know, maybe give Matt Stafford that cup of coffee, although that coffee narrative just didn't really live up to it in week four right now. But to get beat like this at home, it's that's a statement. It's a statement game. And the Cardinals also brought this physical type of nature. James Conner had 18 carries for 50 yards and two touchdowns. Now it's terribly, terribly inefficient. But a lot of his carries are short yardage carries. Two of them came at the one-yard line. And Chase Edmonds out of the backfield was just a weapon. Chase Edmonds had four catches for 19 yards, but also had 12 carries for 120 yards. Busted off a 54-yard run when he was backed up within the... Cardinals 10 yard line so this is a 
This is an offense that's really interesting. This is a team that's really interesting, and people are going to start considering them one of the better teams in the National Football League, if not the best team, just because they are 4-0. Now, do I think the Chiefs are better than them? Yes, but the Chiefs are 2-2. Two two. But they have a test next week. The Arizona Cardinals host the 49ers, and then they get to travel to the Cleveland Browns. We'll learn a lot about Cliff Kingsbury and this Arizona Cardinals team during those two games. Moving on to the Seattle Seahawks, San Francisco 49ers. Seahawks are able to evade 1-3, unlike the Giants, but the Giants won, so I shouldn't complain. Seahawks go and win this game 28-21. Russell Wilson with a rushing touchdown, finished 16 of 23 for 149 yards and two touchdowns. Alex Collins with a really physical and nice rushing touchdown as well, where he was just following his blocks and picking where he wanted to go, getting into the end zone and pissing off every Chris Carson fantasy manager. But that's fantasy football. DK Metcalf had a touchdown, as did Freddie Swain in this game. And Jimmy Garoppolo, story of the game, he ended up going down after going 14 of 23 for 165 yards, a touchdown and interception. He ended up going down with a calf injury in the beginning of the third quarter, which led to Trey Lance getting in the game. He finished 9 of 18 for 157 yards and two touchdowns, but he had a touchdown on one of the most broken plays you'll ever see. It was a number two receiver wheel route where Debo Samuel ran a wheel, and then uh, the number one receiver ran an in route, and it took both the covering defenders, and nobody was on Debo Samuel, and Samuel ended up catching the ball and running 76 yards for a touchdown. So, I mean, credit Trey Lance to kind of see all that go down but it was really just a broken coverage that led to that and Samuel finished the game eight for 156 and two touchdowns on 12 targets in this game Trey Sermon finished the game 19 of 89 Trey Lance used his legs seven carries for 41 yards and if this marks and starts the Trey Lance era I mean it's going to be very exciting because Trey Lance adds such a different dynamic to this offense that's so difficult to defend Every defense has to cover down every single gap, and if you add Trey Lance into that equation, that is just another defender who's going to have to account for Trey Lance's athletic ability and ability to keep it on the backside. That's going to really put a lot of defenses in a bind, and that's why the San Francisco 49ers traded up to the third overall pick to select Trey Lance, because he offers all that, and it looks like it could be started because it's facilitated by this Jimmy Garoppolo calf injury, but we'll wait and see how serious that injury actually is so maybe we shouldn't speak on it quite yet but there was a couple sequences in this game where the 49ers were just pretty poor on special teams that helped the Seattle Seahawks kind of get in a better position to take advantage of this game and blow it up get this 28-21 win which is a big win for Seattle they really needed it and they have a short week so they get to play the Rams on Thursday night football which is a game a lot of us will be looking forward to before we get out of here let's go over this Baltimore Ravens 23-7 win over the Denver Broncos the Broncos lost Teddy Bridgewater in this game he suffered a concussion at the end of the second quarter and then he didn't come out for the second half it was Drew Locke finished 12 of 21 for 113 yards and an interception Bridgewater was 7 of 16 for one touchdown 65 yards Denver just couldn't get anything going offensively against Baltimore's defense which looked a lot better in this game albeit they were playing Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke Bridgewater's looked amazing in in 2021 so far maybe he suffered an injury early on and it wasn't detected and then he was taken out because he didn't look great when he was in the game but he did find Noah Fant for a touchdown in the flat which was a nice play but Baltimore is a better team than Denver looks like right now even though Denver had a better record than them going into this game but Denver's now three and one and if Drew Locke's our quarterback the team suffers a little bit but the Ravens are a difficult team to play against Lamar Jackson 22 of 37 316 yards a touchdown also doing work with his legs seven carries for 28 yards there was no Tyson Williams in this game he was actually a healthy scratch which was a a real shock 
Baltimore went with the AARP running back room of Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, and Devonta Freeman in this affair. And Tyson Williams, the undrafted rookie at a BYU, and he's also went to like two other colleges. Seems to be a healthy scratch. Now, is there an injury that wasn't reported? Maybe, but he seems to be a healthy scratch. Last week, he had like five touches, but played over 50% of the snaps. So I thought maybe Greg Roman and the Ravens coaching staff just got away from him, but it doesn't seem like it. And we've seen Tyson Williams make mistakes, fumbles, and also resulting in fumbles was his missed pass protection that resulted in Lamar Jackson fumbling the football. That was in week one against the Raiders which led to a loss for the Baltimore Ravens. So it seems like the little mistakes that he's been making, those rookie mistakes, if you will, have led to him finding the bench, which is unfortunate because he's a talented young player. But, you know, sometimes these coaching staffs want reliability and consistency over explosiveness and burst, which is what we saw here. But we'll see next week if he has a good week of practice. Maybe he'll be back. But credit to the Baltimore Ravens here. Credit to Marquise Brown for not dropping the ball because he dropped like two touchdown passes last week. He caught a deep one in this one for 49 yards, four for 91 and a touchdown on five targets here. Denver Broncos, they still have a really good defense. Like I said, I'm not too worried about uh, their defense, but going forward in a division that's really, really strong right now with the Chargers, the Chiefs, and the Raiders, they get to play the Steelers next week. They travel to Pittsburgh, and then they get the Raiders, and then they have to go to Cleveland. So Pittsburgh's a very winnable game, especially with his defense and Ben Roethlisberger's lack of ability to sustain consistent offense. But the Raiders and the Browns are a tough, tough match. So without Teddy Bridgewater, that could be that could be really hard for Pat Shermer and company to kind of overcome. But we'll have to wait and see what exactly happens. And I'm also recording this before Sunday Night Football. So this is a real quick reaction here. I'm not going to be going over that. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady reunion with Bill Belichick up in Foxborough, something that I'm looking forward to watching, but it hasn't yet happened yet, so I'm not going to be going over that game. So this is everything on Falado on Football. Big win for the New York Giants, bring them to 1-3. There's still a lot of work for this football team to do, but the fact that they showed resilience in the face of adversity down multiple scores here, that says something about the coaches, that says something about the nature of this team to battle back in a tough environment and make a win. And I don't even think the coaches were perfect in this game. Joe Judge is still a very, very conservative coach. You can see that. I think contextually, it makes sense at times. Other times, you wish he would be a little bit more aggressive. But either way, the team gets a win here. Jason Garrett did a good job adjusting his personnel without Darius Slayton, without Sterling Shepard. They found a way to win a football game. They found a way to come back. They found a way to get it done in overtime. So good for the New York Giants. Don't celebrate too long because it's a long season, as I've said already. Anyways, this is Nick Filato signing off of the Big Blue View Radio Podcast. This is Filato on football. Hope you guys all enjoyed this show. Please rate and review. Head on over to the website. Check out all of our content covering the great New York Giants. Everybody, have a lovely one.